Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work post and podcast. Today, I am joined by my good friend and colleague, Claudemir Oliveira of the Seeds of Dreams Institute. Together, we visit all six lands of the Magic Kingdom, and in each land, we share a story about best in business practices at Walt Disney World that you can apply back to your organization, whether you are in the public, private, or nonprofit sector. Claudemir and I were both associated for many years with the Disney Institute, and over the years, we've brought hundreds of guests through the streets of this park, sharing best in business practices. We share those with you today as we visit the Magic Kingdom. Let's head to the Magic Kingdom where I meet up with Claudemir. Hi, I'm Jeff Cobert, and I'm Claudemir Oliveira. We are fortunate to have an opportunity to get together. Claudemir and I have uh, something we share in common. We both worked for the Disney Institute, yes. although we both worked at different times. Absolutely. But we had kind of different careers, kind of going back and forth. Yes. Claudemir, tell us really quick a little bit about your history at, at Disney. Yeah, I worked for 15 years in the company. I started up the Disney's office in Brazil back in 1995. Many people don't know that, uh, but oh, we, did have, uh, we did have an office there. Uh, then in 2000, I moved here to Orlando, Florida. I was responsible for international training, global training. And I had the privilege to teach at Disney Institute and a guest speaker at Disney Institute. So I'm, I'm in love with the company. And I wrote two books, one about Walt Disney and another one about Roy Disney. Ah, uh, yes. And you have this great love and respect for Roy Disney that I just, we, we, I don't think we'll get very far in this podcast no. or video without uh, talking about Roy. And that's a good thing. So, and actually I started at the same time, but I was working for marketing, um, working above Italy. And, uh, and then I went to the Disney Institute and, and spent a number of years there. The other thing we share in common is that while we don't work at Disney anymore, we both have written a lot of books, continue to provide best in business ideas from Disney to, um, to our different clients in the public, private, nonprofit sectors. And, uh, and we have a lot of fun doing that. We thought it would be fun today to go around the Magic Kingdom and each of us is gonna share in each of the six lands of the Magic Kingdom, something that we share with yep. our clients yep. and how we relate that back to their business and their organization and, and uh, in building their, uh, their experience. So yes. join us and we're gonna go yes. on this little uh, voyage. We're gonna start in Tomorrowland and uh, head ourselves around the clock backwards and end on Main Street. So it's gonna be that, fun. And it will, it will be fun. Let's do this. Let's do this. So we're here yes. in our first land, Tomorrowland. Tell us one of the things that you share when you have, and by the way, both of us have done how many countless tours of the Magic Kingdom when we were here at Disney and beyond. And, uh, and so tell us one of the things that you share when you bring your guests. Well, I mean, things, but I, 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 you know, what, if, you, if you stop to think about the settings that have behind us, Walt Disney was the one who really created what we call the theme park, not an amusement park. 
So the setting is absolutely uh, amazing inside of this park. That's what we really call attention to our clients, you know, how immersive you are when you get there. The other thing here about Tomorrowland, very interesting, you know that Disney does a lot of research to know, you know, how can I enchant you? How can I really please you as a guest? As yeah, a bar, right? yeah, absolutely. We yeah. know about the data. Exactly, exactly. But we know that we have a, a trend to go to the right side once we get inside the park. Because most people are right-handed. Exactly. I assume that we drive on the right-hand side in Brazil, but yes. faster. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so, so because you're right-handed, yes. you tend to move yes. toward the right. That's it. So once you get into Main Street West here, you know, you're going to have Adventureland to the left and have Tomorrowland where we are right now to the right. You realize that the road to Tomorrowland is much wider. wider. Yeah. Why? Because Disney thinks about everything. Process, process, and process. So it's just unbelievable. They just, they're thinking, I got to go on Space Mountain, and soon the new Tron attraction opening up. And so they're thinking, we got to, we got to move. We got to move to the right. And what they don't even think about, it. it's intuitive. Yes. And why that's important, because they don't have theme parks. Our clients don't have theme parks. What they do have is they have a setting, physical setting. It might be a store, it might be a restaurant, it might be an office, but it also might be a virtual setting. It might be a website. And you want to think through and navigate yes. what is on the right side of your website, or better yet, what is the flow of your guests as they are going through that website or through that store or through that whatever location you have and how are they flowing through that? And you mentioned the thematic aspect of this. What is what is that setting in which they are doing business with you? What is it that, it, that helps them understand what your products and services are that you are offering? Because you know, you don't have to say, I mean, there is a sign that says Tomorrowland. Exactly. But you know what, people know, this is, this is supposed to be the future. And they know it because throughout the setting yeah. it everything speaks to the future everything speaks to adventure yes. and to the jungles of Adventureland so you have to say to your own products and services what are what in your setting physical or virtual is is suggesting or telling what kinds of products and what kinds of services you offer you. Absolutely. And one, I would like just to add something. Yeah. As a writer of the biography of Walt Disney, Roy yeah. Disney, I mean, as many of you may know, I mean, Disney came from the movie. Business, oh, yeah. yeah. Movie business. So he brought a lot of experience from the movie business to the theme parks. So that's why I really think that we can connect the history of you know, where he came from and why the parks, you know, are the way they are. In the movie business, where every foot, every inch of footage on that roll, and especially in animation, when every cell, every cell has got to tell a story, every inch of footage, when you are in a film, you got to know what's going on immediately. The same thing is true about your own products and services. They have to speak about who you are and what you are and what you're Absolutely. I love it. Perfect. All right. So we are here in Fantasyland. Yes. And let's talk about that beautiful carousel behind us. This is my favorite story. Yeah? Uh, my favorite story, you know. 
many of you may know already the story, but I want to connect to business, of yeah, course. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, back in the 30s, Walt Disney used to go to the parks, you know, in California. Griffith Park. Exactly, Griffith Park. Was one of them. Yeah, one of many. Exactly. Diane and Cheryl. And he was there sitting in a bench, eating peanuts, watching his two little princes, Diane and Cheryl, in a carousel. Yeah. And said, Jeff, what I'm doing here, sitting in this bench, <laughs> if I can be there close to my daughters. And he would observe that on the left side, other parents were sitting in a bench, looking at their children having fun. On the right side, grandparents looking at the grandchildren there. And he came out with the idea of Disneyland back in the 30s. So how do we connect that to, to business? I mean, there are so many stories. No, there is, because, because at the heart of that story is the idea that Walt Disney connected the idea that there ought to be a place for everyone, for every customer to enjoy, not just one segment, but all segments of the customers yeah. to enjoy. And the idea that we, they could all enjoy it together, that was a powerful, simple notion learned as he spent that time with Sharon and, and Diane. And so it, so no wonder <laughs> that there's a carousel Yes. In yes. every Disney park. Yes. A Magic Kingdom style park. Exactly. I don't know if you've had a chance to visit Shanghai Disney, but one of the interesting things, because that's Disney's newest park, and one of the interesting things about that park is their client base is what's called a one, two, four. One child, two adults, four grandparents. Wow. And so the idea is how do we how do we come back to, because we were talking, you and I, earlier, yes. about the challenges in front of Cinderella Castle now. Yes. That it's lost some of its park elements. Yeah. And what they did in Shanghai is they decided that they would take the hub and not just do a hub, they would do a whole park. It is a land at Shanghai Disney. Yeah. And actually, the carousel sits in that, in front of the castle, as opposed to in Fantasyland. But it's in, with the intent of let's come back to the idea of a park, yes, and 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 provide something that reaches out to every segment of that of that Chinese audience. Again, that four two one, and I think the message going back to your own organization is: What are your customer segments? How do you connect those customer segments? How do you make sure you reach out to those customer segments, and then provide them the very best products and services. And the other thing that's really interesting about this story is that at the time when Walt Disney had the idea, critics would say that Disneyland would be closed and forgotten Disney's within folly. one year. Yeah. And here we are, here we are. Six, six years in fact, later. In fact, we're recording this. Yes. You were saying this earlier. Tell, say, what day are we recording this? Sequoia? We are recording this exactly 67 years ago. Today was the start of the construction of Disneyland. It took one year and one day. So 16 of July 54, 
17th of July of 55. Tomorrow is, is Disneyland 66th anniversary. So yeah, absolutely. Talk about vision. Yes. But the vision begins with your customer. Yes. So we're here in Liberty Square. Yes. So it's my privilege to provide a little uh, American history for yes. my Brazilian friend here. Yes, Let's talk you. about colonial times. Yes. And one of the symbolic, you know, organizations revolve around symbols. Yes. And that symbol may be a logo. That symbol may be um, a particular name or title or gesture. In colonial times, uh, you know, we talked about parks in Fantasyland. Well, the park um, back in the in colonial times was known as the square, which is the plaza. Yes. In South America, the plaza is everything. It's the center yes. of everything, right? Yes, yes. Well, the plaza in colonial times was the square. And the center of the square in many of them would have a big tree, which by they would sometimes hang lanterns and so forth so they could meet in evenings and so forth. Yeah. In Liberty Square here at the Magic Kingdom, we have the Liberty Tree, which was transplanted especially to this location to be symbolic. It, it goes back to a Disney film called Johnny Tremaine, and they talk about, the Sons of Liberty talk about the Liberty Tree, and they hang lanterns on the tree and they would meet. Now, one of the problems in colonial times is the British started coming in on them they said, you can't meet. You can't organize meetings and talk about us. Well, so they didn't organize a meeting, but they met at the park, at the square. At square. And they talked. Yes. And, and that was the place they kind of gathered for that conversation about where are we going? What are we going to do? How are we going to deal with the British and so forth? And in fact, symbolic as the Liberty Tree, is that we have 13 lanterns hanging off that tree, symbolic of each of the 13 colonies. Uh, Liberty Bell is making a little sound in the back. <laughs> symbolic of the 13 colonies, they are just hanging there as, as, a, as a reminder of that. Now, what does this have to do with somebody's organization? I don't. I haven't met a company that has a, a Liberty Tree in the middle of their <laughs> office, but they do they do have uh, they do have a water cooler and you meet at the water cooler and you end up having these informal conversations and now online you have these chat rooms or other locations that people are meeting online and having those casual informal conversations in my view a great organization should have formal conversations and informal conversations so how do you allow your own people to have that informal space where they can get together and meet and chat and converse. And I would think, especially in Latin America, yeah. that informal opportunity oh. is huge because huge. you are so much better at being social than us North Americans that have got to go do business and check things off. So tell me what that's like there. I mean, it's, it's great because you made me remember right now when I work for American Airlines yeah. in Brazil. Okay. It has to do with what you said. I mean, I'm going to change a little bit subject. It has to okay. do with business, right? 
So in Brazil, my call center of American Airlines in the beginning was really difficult because what happened when you call Monday morning somebody at American Airlines reservations in Brazil, the, 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 the employee of America would say, no, how are you? How was your weekend? People in Dallas would say, call them me, you have to push. It's taking five minutes per call. We have to reduce that. So culture. Culture. Yeah. has a lot to do with what we're talking here. And Jeff, just think about the power of storytelling. I was just listening to you telling the whole story about a business. I mean, what is your storytelling about your culture, about your company, you know? How do you do that in your company? What do the formal and informal moments especially say about your culture? and what you represent, what you symbolize, what you are all about as an organization. That's at the heart Absolutely. of the Liberty Community. Beautiful. Well, howdy folks, we're here in yes. Frontierland. Yes. And towards the entrance of Frontierland, as we come in from Liberty Square, we notice the uh, Frontierland trading post. Underneath it, it says Texas John Slaughter, trail boss. Let's talk about John Slaughter for a moment. A lot of people know that to fund Disneyland, Walt Disney came up with a TV series, Disneyland, which featured the four different lands of Adventureland and Fantasyland, Tomorrowland and Frontierland. And for Frontierland, he came up with this incredible story about Davy Crockett. And people love Davy Crockett. The number of people who watched those episodes was amazing for the 1950s. And the network kept coming back to him and saying, we gotta have more of these Westerns. Westerns were very popular in the period of the late 1950s. And so Walt had to come up with other stories. And one of them was about, well, Texas John Slaughter, who was a sheriff, not only in Texas, but actually throughout much of the Southwest. And the reason I want to talk a little bit about sheriffs is there is a little phrase going way back in Disney history, a phrase called naming the sheriff. And back then, back then when they needed a particular project done, especially during the opening of Walt Disney World nearly 50 years ago, they would quote unquote name the sheriff or name someone to go and do the project. <laughs> And on one instance, they were getting ready to lay down all of the slurry. You know, you have this uh, red coating mm -hmm. on the pavement yeah. of the walkways. And they were getting ready to lay down all of the pavement for the Magic Kingdom. And they didn't have the red powder they needed to mix with the slurry to lay down that foundation. And they found out it was up north, I believe in Boston. And they turned to Jack Linguist. Jack Linguist would eventually become a Disney legend and was president yep. of Disneyland and did an incredible job with marketing for Disney. But they named Jack to go and get that red powder. Whatever it took, go figure it. They named him the sheriff and they said, go out and get that powder. <laughs> and so one weekend, Jack figured out how to get an airplane, get up to Boston, pick up that pigment, bring it back down here and have it on site Monday morning so that they could actually lay out the concrete. And so the phrase naming the sheriff comes from those kinds of instances where Disney identified somebody who needed to take the ball, 
and run with it. And boy, that's, that is so true in any organization. You need, we sometimes need to name a sheriff. Yes. To just take it and run with it and get it done, not let it sit, not let the bureaucracy command the day, but to name a sheriff and get the job done. Commitment. Yeah. Commitment. Commitment. You need a person of commitment, of yes. passion, yes. and just get it done. Do you know I read somewhere that people say that Walt Disney had a phrase called ticket is printed. I don't know if you know about this. I story. haven't heard this. Okay, so here's your. Uh, let's assume that Walt Disney would sit in a meeting and let's assume we decided that Disneyland is going to be open on the 17th of July, you know, next year. At the end of the meeting, he would say to all the executives, ticket is printed. printed. Wow. What do we have in a ticket? Name, date, destiny. So it will happen. It will happen. That's make how happen. committed Walt Disney was with himself and with the employees. And there is another story about Roy Disney. I know we have to talk about Roy Disney here. Okay. Beautiful, right? Uh, we know that Walt Disney died and passed away before you know, Disney World was open in 71. So he was asked why, I mean, he almost got out of retirement to make this dream come true here in Orlando, yeah. Florida, right? And the story goes that, well, I had to do that because I didn't have, I won't have to explain to Walt when I meet him again why I didn't do it. So that gives us how committed Walt Disney was and how difficult he was in terms of, look, go, sheriff, and get it done. Yes. Ticket is printed. Name the sheriff. Yes. This is great. So we're here in Caribbean Plaza, in the heart of Adventureland. And a lot of people don't realize that when the Magic Kingdom was built in 1971, none of this section of the park was here. There was no Caribbean Plaza, and more especially, there was no Pirates of the Caribbean. And Pirates of the Caribbean had become the most popular attraction at Disneyland out in California. Yes. So the thought of not having it here was seemingly crazy. Now the rational explanation given was that we were really close to the Caribbean. And so guests aren't gonna wanna do that. They might as well go to the Caribbean. Instead, we're going to come up with a more complex attraction, Pirate's Life, that we'll put into Frontierland called the Western River Expedition and Railroad. And there will be a train going around in one direction and a boat attraction like Pirates of the Caribbean going through. And guests are going to love that because they're all from back east and they won't know the west. And so this will be great for them. The attraction was so huge in scope that it was decided early on, probably by Roy, that this would be a phase two project for the Magic Kingdom, which was disappointing to Mark Davis, who was very, as an Imagineer, was very excited mm -hmm. about that attraction. But here's the reality, is that when the gates opened, all these Easterners who came down to Walt Disney World, <laughs> they had already been watching Walt Disney for over the years talk about 
pirates of the Caribbean. And so they get here, where's pirates? Where's pirates? <laughs> yes. They're parading over a guest relation saying, how come you don't have a pirates? Exactly. With the energy crisis and some other things happening in the wake of Walt Disney World's opening, it was just realized, hey, it was going to be a lot cheaper to go do a duplicate of Pirates of the Caribbean and do what the guests want than to come up with something altogether new that was going to be a lot more expensive. Hence, in December of 1973, Pirates of the Caribbean opened a little more than two years after the Magic Kingdom opened at Walt Disney World. Now that's one part of listening to the customer. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was interesting in terms of listening to the customer is that up until this time, up until, up until Pirates of the Caribbean opening in 1973, all of the queues for attractions were largely outdoors. That worked at Disneyland because the weather is very nice at Disneyland. Sometimes it gets a little sunny, sometimes it'll get cold, but by and large, it's really nice. Here, it gets crazy hot and humid. You have torrential rain pours, uh, and so, so they learned very quickly that you had to cover the Mad Tea Party and not leave it exposed. You had to provide an awning in the front of the Haunted Mansion, and and then they created awnings at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is, they had to create outdoor coverings. This attraction here at Pirates of the Caribbean is actually the first indoor thematic queue. And it is elegant in terms of its detail and theming in preparing you to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. Now the ride system isn't as elaborate as the Disneyland system, however, the queue is amazing and it goes into a lot of thematic detail with the prison, with the town. You get a sense of really coming into the story. And by the way, it's all covered indoor and air conditioned, yes. which is really important to the guest. The message here is listen to your guest. Yeah. Listen to that guest feedback and provide what the guests need, not what you want. Yeah. And one thing that I would like to add very interesting is about the success of the movie because Disney talking about business talk about listening to synergy the, yeah. synergy you know all the areas in Disney the Walt Disney Company being parks and resorts movies consumer products they work together to make sure that they can maximize in everything they do so in general we have movies things coming to the parks but Pirates of the Caribbean is one example that the attraction became the movie. I think this is well, and and for up and coming generations, their experience with Pirates of the Caribbean was Captain Jack Sparrow. So, go on the ride. Where's Where's Sparrow? Exactly. Didn't make sense. So eventually, again, listening to your customers, that's applicable in any organization. You have to listen to your customers. Agree. Well, we have come nearly full circle. Yes. And we're back here on Main Street, USA. Yes. What is the, and you've talked about Roy, and you've written about the Walt Disney Brothers. Tell us what Main Street does for you. Main Street brings me back, you know, the whole story of uh, Walt Disney and Roy Disney back in Missouri. 
So there are a lot of uh, stuff in the movies, in the parks, about their time in Missouri, especially yeah. Marceline, Kansas City, where Walt Disney broke three times before he was 23 years old. And he gave up animation. Many people don't know that. Uh, he went to My California. Bankrupt. Yeah. He went to California thinking to be a director of movies, not even an actor, he was able to get it. So his brother, Roy Disney, was the one who brought him back to the animation business and the rest is history. The rest is history. Roy Disney, unbelievable guy. So honored to have written, have bring, brought Roy Disney from the backstage to the light, yeah. as his brother used to be. So Roy Disney is really very, very, very important in the success of this company. So I like how you just said that because what we're saying is, is Roy brought Walt back to his roots, animation. Yes. Main Street brings us back to Walt and Roy's roots, growing up in Missouri, and that turn of the century feel. Yes. And I think that's important because one of the messages I like to give to organizations is build on your heritage. Yes. Build on what works for you. Now, you need to still take it to the next level. And, of course. And Walt never stood still. He kept taking it to the next level. But but you always want to remember your roots. You yes. always want to remember your heritage and you want to build from that. And that can be a powerful foundation yes. for taking you into the future. And Jeff, to your point, I mean, think about the Walt Disney Company and the training called the Traditions at Disney University, where I had the privilege to teach. Oh, you did? Yes, that's right. We were talking I about mean, that. Think about it. It's all about what we just the said. Tradition. Traditions heritage. So in your business, make sure that you bring to your new employees the heritage, the foundation, the culture of your company. That's why Missouri is so important to the life and success of the empire, the Walt Disney Company. And interesting that when you enter the Magic Kingdom, what do they do? They start with the tradition. They start with the heritage. They start with the foundation. And then they build you to adventure, fantasy, and tomorrow. Um, but they begin with your heritage. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful defined. Thank you so much. It was great. All right, well, that wraps up our whirlwind tour of the Magic Kingdom. We could have gone on for days. We do typically do with our clients. But the fact of the matter is there is so many lessons to be learned that can be applied to any organization or business at Disney. So, so, Vladimir, how can folks reach you? Best way is through my email, claudemy at seedsofdreams.org. Yes. Or Instagram. I'm all over the place. Seeds of dreams, like in a, a, a strawberry seed. Ask him about the strawberries. That's <laughs> a very fascinating story. Um, and you can reach me, of course, at disneyatplay.com and disneyatwork.com. Also, performancejourneys.com and on my YouTube channel, J. Jeff Cober. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Claudemir. It's been fun. Yes, I do love we, it. We'll do it. Well, let's yes. go to Epcot next. Yes. Let's get a Brazilian. World Showcase Pavilion built. Yes. And we'll, we'll build our own. <laughs> well, we'll just go build our own at Epcot. Yes. Thanks for joining us. 
have a great day. Thank you. My thanks to Claudemir for joining us on this podcast. A native of Brazil, his enthusiasm is contagious. By the way, he's founder and president of Seeds of Dreams Institute. And you can find more about him there at that site. Take a look at DisneyAtWork.com and you can see um, a link to Claudemir. And also, we share on that same page souvenirs for your organization where we've taken the ideas that we've presented today in today's podcast and reframe them as thoughts and ideas that you may want to consider as you improve your organization. Well, again, thank you for joining us. If you haven't had a chance, be sure to subscribe to DisneyAtWork.com so you can be notified of upcoming podcasts and other posts as they come out. And be sure to check out our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society, where you can find best in business ideas there that uh, really help you to bring in insights on customer service leadership and so much more from Disney back to your organization. Again, thanks to you. Thanks to Claudemir. We hope you have a terrific day. And always remember, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart wherever you go. Again, thanks. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.